0: Welcome to post break. This is our weekly discussion of the latest industry news and topics that are affecting us. This week's topic is how will post return facilities and beyond. So now I'd like to hand it over to our moderator for today, post producer Claire Shanley.
1: Hello. Um, It's lovely to see all of you in your little boxes today. Um, Thanks for joining us for this fourth post-break. Um, Just as a quick introduction, I'm a post producer, as Chris said, my most recent projects were The Plot Against America and The Deuce for HBO. Um, I also, uh, prior to going show side, I spent many years in facility and technical management where I crossed paths with many of you uh, while I was the managing director at 1619 and the general manager at Orbit and the technical director at Broadway Video, among others. And prior to those facility adventures, just for context, I also worked as an editor and an assistant, and I was an avid technical specialist. So, um, you know, today's session is about something we've probably all been talking about. How does work resume or continue in some cases? Some people are working remotely. Um, we're looking at the components of a complex equation and, you know, I did want to start off by saying that this panel isn't going to have all the answers. Um, great participants, that we have a great team here and I'm really grateful to all of our panelists for joining this conversation. Um, I did want to say that this is likely the first in a series of post-New York discussions about returning to work in the time of COVID. So. Um, As with most things in post, um, you know, every project is going to have its own different experience Um, getting back to work. It's going to mean different things for different shows. Um, So today we're looking at returning to work from several perspectives, from show side, from facility side, and from the union viewpoint. And, um, you know, you won't come away from this session with one date that we're all going to get back to work or one set of rules for how editorial is going to function going forward. Um, This is the start of the conversation. And um, with that said, we have some great perspectives here and a lot to cover. So let's get to it. Um, Quick intros of our illustrious panel today. Um, We have Kathy Rapola, who is the National Executive Director of the Motion Picture Editors Guild, IATSE Local 700. I know we've got probably a lot of members of the Guild joining us today in this session. We've got David Woods, post-producer extraordinaire. Um, His credits include episodic TV, feature documentaries, and feature films, um, including The Americans, Sweet Bitter, Red Oaks, many others. And we also have Kim Spikes, who is the senior (laughs) VP of Post with Sim. She's been with the company for 11 years and has overseen facilities throughout New York City, where they provide dailies, offline, picture and sound finishing for features and television. So welcome to all the panelists and thank you so much for joining us today. Um, We are starting off, I just wanted to start with a quick snapshot of what's been happening in each of your professional universes since that week of March 9th, when conversations about COVID-19 really moved into high gear and productions began shutting down. So I just wanted to ask, um, you know, for a quick summary of what was in progress for you at that moment. How did things shift for your organization, your team, your show with the New York State pause order that was enacted during that week of March 16th? And how have those intervening eight weeks impacted your work? Um, how has your production or your company or your guild been adjusting to this new normal? So um, I'd like to start with Cathy on this, please. Yeah.
2: Hi, thank you. Um, thank you very much for having me today. Um, So, you know, obviously my take is going to be a little different than those of you who actually work directly in the post-production field, but I'll tell you, you know, that our our union went from, you know, sort of normal stuff one day, like many of you, into this complete just like, wow, you know, overwhelmed by, you know, what it was going to mean to our membership, how many members were going to lose their jobs How many members could we transition to work? Who could be maintained on some kind of work at home program for some period of time? Um, Immediately um, becoming sort of a a resource for the members in terms of navigating through unemployment. Um, We've been doing a series of, I've been doing a series of membership Zoom meetings with members to just answer questions. We've been, I've been sending out, regular email blast updates of everything we know that's going on and what you should be aware of and um, in addition to like support sort of things um, we've also uh, been really involved in the Hollywood end of uh, and in New York to some extent but involved in a lot of volunteer opportunities helping, helping the communities and helping the entertainment industry people who are needing help and volunteering and mask making and all kinds of programs like that so so we 've become uh, I think just a, a resource for the members, someone hopefully that they can look to and say you know i don 't know what to do next, and how long is this going to last and um, it 's been a constant sort of constant uh, ways of trying to figure out how to create continue to create a sense of community among the members, how to feel make them feel that we're or know that we 're here for them um, we we 've done a really great outreach program for our retirees and made direct contact with all 22 we're working on 2200 of them so lots of good things like that at the same time obviously trying to um you know like everyone else sort of predict the future what it's going to look like and and be hopeful that someday we're going to get there
1: i'd like to get kim's response now Kim, could you let us know what's been, what was happening, what, how things shifted and how the past eight weeks have been going?
3: Yeah, um, definitely. We had roughly 25 projects in our pipeline um, when this happened and things were changing so quickly. We were having conversations that seemed absurd, like moving incredibly expensive equipment and cars to people's homes, having them set them up and then our engineers would just be on the phone. Um, and then 36 hours later, we were enacting these plans. So. It was quite the pivot. Um, Daly's immediate hiatus or offline was kind of a mix of some people wanted to go on hiatus, others decided to set up remote systems. So it was coaching people through that process. Um, picture and sound finishing kept going and we quickly got 10 artists up and running. And then in the middle of it, ESPN called and said the last dance, we're not gonna deliver in June. We'd like to go ahead and push that air date up. So we need you to start delivering immediately. I was like, fantastic. So um, in the middle of the move, we also had to start prepping for that. Um, There was no moment to catch your breath. It was pretty um, phenomenal. And I do have to say to my team, they totally rose the occasion. Everyone raised their hand and wanted to pitch in. Um, It was very inspiring. And I am proud of how we, and I think all the post facilities in our community just pivoted and kept going. And it's a heartfelt thank you to all of them. And right now we're just kind of carrying on um off-site.
4: March ninth. that feels like 10 years ago I think um <laughs> it was, I, I remember you know the feeling of man we got to come up with a we got to come up with a backup plan we got to find a way to keep this show going. I'm working on a show uh called Genius it's season three it's profiling Aretha Franklin and it was set for a Memorial Day air date we hadn't quite finished shooting all our episodes yet um And um, we were still thinking, how do we make that air day in some way, shape, or form? So I remember thinking, wow, we got to pack up all this stuff and get it to people's houses. And a week later, we were doing that. Um, And um, much like Kim said, I mean, it was such a team effort. I have such an amazing team on the show. And everybody came together and and helped make it happen um, in in so many ways. Um, and I remember sending out, you know, emails to the showrunners and having phone calls with the showrunners and be like, okay, I don't know what the next part looks like exactly, but I know it's going to mean a lot of patience and a lot of flexibility. And, um, and, and I hope we can all have that. And over the last eight weeks, you know, and it's a credit to the team again, you know, the editing part of this, the offline editing has been, you know, fairly seamless, um, which is also a credit to, you know, the showrunners, the entire show staff um that's been pretty seamless um you know we're trying to figure out how to now we're trying to figure out how to finish shows as far as we need to or or can um which it feels a bit like laying track as the train is moving forward so you're hoping you can lay out (laughs) enough track to so you don't hit some sort of a a big problem so far that's going pretty well i mean it's just it i'd love to stress you know there's so much um so much to get down about. But I do think, you know, much like what Kim said, you know, people have really banded together. And I think that strength gives me a positive outlook on the future.
1: That's great. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I know everybody's been kind of responsiveness has been tested for sure. Um, so I wanted to, you know, think about. We have these creative considerations, we have workflow considerations, and we have safety considerations um, to balance when we talk about doing the work, getting back to work. Um, you know, I think safety can be defined as well-being, both physical and economic. And obviously, there have been some pretty meaningful economic impacts to the COVID crisis. I know, you know, the Alliance is doing some economic well-being addressing in other post-break sessions, how we can support each other and access resources and support, which is super important. So I wanted to start with the fundamental physical safety and health, and obviously our knowledge about the COVID-19 detection and prevention work and what's possible is evolving every week. Right now, we know that the virus can be spread by people who show no symptoms, which means that measures like temperature checks can have limited impact. It's not totally clear yet whether a positive antibody test means that somebody is immune to COVID. So that's also one of our unknowns at this point, and the current predictions are that vaccine development is going to take at least 18 months. That could be fast-tracked. It's unclear, but that does put us, if we look at 18 months, that's November 2021. Um, Compared to production, you know, often in post we're working on our own for segments of time, which makes some people say that our situations are easier to work out for COVID prevention. But at the same time, I think there's always some complexity in assessing safety. So I wanted to, I have questions for each of you, kind of uniquely tailored to your positions about safety. So I wanted to start with Kathy. Um, How have the MPEGs guidelines for worker protections or safety shifted in the time of COVID? And are those guidelines firmly established yet or emerging? And um, if you could give us some background into how those guidelines are being developed or have been developed.
2: Um, sure. Well, they're, they're certainly um, changing drastically. I mean, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the focus in the industry in terms of safety for decades has been safety on the set. And that's what people talk about right. all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of go oh, post productions over there doing their own thing and their editors working in a room by themselves and they should be fine when it's because most people don't understand it, you know. Um, right. So yeah. um, there's a lot of different things going on. There is nothing finalized with the unions and any of the union companies yet. Um, we hope to get to that point um soon um so there are a couple so there's an industry-wide um safety committee that has existed for several decades um in in hollywood most generally in hollywood um Mm -hmm. and a lot of the other guilds belong to it above the line too unions um, labor relations people people from the safety people from the studios and they've been meeting for decades about regular sort of safety set sort of issues they've uh, taken it upon themselves to now tried to create what they were referring to as a white paper. Um, and we were um, asked because the entertainment industry was asked by Governor Cuomo first um, to create this kind of white paper with basic guidelines of what the entertainment industry would need in order for us to feel comfortable to even think about reopening and so that they can try to incorporate that into their guidelines as soon as they have guidelines. Um, that'll also be presented to um, Gavin Newsom here in California and anybody else who's going to ask for it or want it. But So um, we've divided down, and I'll be really brief because there's a lot going on with this. And this has been my biggest uh, piece of uh, what I've been spending the bulk of my time certainly in the last two weeks and will continue to for a while. Um, so they broke those groups. That one big committee is broken down into working groups. There's one that's specific to post-production. Um, on the management side, they hired an epidemiologist and we in Allenheim, Ooh. our president, who was previously from New York. He, yeah, he and I put together small little working groups from representative of the various classifications we had. And we had a little Zoom conference with this doctor to educate him about post-production and what, um, what our jobs look like and what our work environments look like. Um, so that's in progress and it's still in progress. Um, I've also, um, similar to this organization in, La- in Hollywood, there's a Hollywood, used to be called the Hollywood Post-Production Alliance. Now it's called Hollywood Production Alliance, I think, mm-hmm. but they're focused on post-production uh, group like this. And so I'm uh, actually going to be on a Zoom conference with them next week, a whole bunch of people from both union and non-union post-production facilities and myself talking about how we can collaborate together. Um, and in Los Angeles, we've got, you know, scoring status too. So I've been involved with the Musicians Union and Screen Actors. We had a conference just specific to scoring stages. So, you know, we have we have a lot of classifications we represent yeah. in, in New York, you know, you get a look at the picture editorial, but then there's the re-recording stages and sound editing and You know how and and, and there's some similarities to the safety concerns, um, but there's certainly nuances too to the different areas. And so it's, uh, it's, it's a huge project and I, I think it's making people feel good to talk about it because it makes it feel like there's an end in sight. But right. I think we have a ways to go.
1: Makes sense. So it's, it sounds like it's pretty much a work in progress at this point.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and probably will be for a while. I mean, right. you
1: mm-hmm. know, this
2: initial phase is to provide to uh, politicians their broad strokes, you know, mm-hmm. then you got to dig into the nitty gritty of it and um, we'll, we'll get
1: there eventually. Right, great. Kim, I wanted to ask kind of a three part question um, from the facility standpoint. Um, what are you weighing on the facility front as far as prevention and safety? Um, will you be implementing changes to the physical space and maintenance plans at the on site at SIM? And do you envision staffing on site and off site functioning differently going forward? Uh, yes, to all three. Um,
3: <laughs> at SIM, um, like other companies, we are in two countries. So we're in the US and we're in Canada and we're dealing with a lot of different layers of government within the five cities that we operate. You know, New York is obviously an epicenter, so it is very, very strict here, but then we're also in Atlanta that has kind of a different, more relaxed opinion on this. Um, So it's a very wide range to manage. For reopening, um, obviously our number one priority is safety by reducing risk and um, we'll be using a combination therapy, a term I got from the New Yorker earlier, um, to kind of move forward to to reduce risks um, like Kathy discussed earlier, the PnyA also will be submitting, um, a, I guess, a white paper to Cuomo and um, we're trying to p- pull that from all the facilities now and that'll be for our reopening and then obviously each facility will then do a deep dive into how they're going to handle their specific projects. Um, You know, I think our plans are also total work in progress, not firmed up, and they'll be evolving um, constantly, and I think they're going to have to continually adapt to the changes in in the climate, but we're looking into, and I'll just name a few things just to kind of give you an idea. Uh, Safety training for our staff before they come back, Uh, general flow of the building, um, what was going to have to change, and, um, you know, tape guides to show the six feet markers and all of that will be will be done. Um, Limiting movement is the biggest thing so I think people will be assigned a certain entrance, um, no wandering around anymore and visiting your friends, uh, keeping the smallest footprint possible while you're inside. We'll be restricting the number of people in the rooms and who can attend sessions. Um, We're looking into staffing off hours. I did a survey internally to see where people's thoughts were and the number one fear is the commute into and out of the facility but not the facility. So we are paying attention to that and seeing if we can get people when it's not a peak time for travel. Um, Taking temperatures, you know, the masks, um, hands-free sanitizer so you don't have to touch anything, propping doors open where security allows so that people don't have to touch doorknob. We're looking into UV lights for cleaning the equipment, especially keyboards. Um, We'll be intensifying our cleaning practices, you know, using the CDC approved protocols and are continuing to work on that. Closing kitchens for now as well as client services or everybody um, and then looking potentially into hiring a nurse that would actually be on site at each of our locations for a little while. And um, quite a few of the SIM employees um, will continue to work from home. I mean, we're not going to bring people in unless they physically need to be in a theater with a projector or they need to be in an Atmos room. And we are also going to limit, you know, how many people come into these sessions. So this is just a few things on a very, very long and very detailed 40-page list that's been created. And um, our new policies will be reviewed by medical and um, legal teams prior to putting anything into action
1: so they can put their input as well. So that's kind of where we are today. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Um, moving to David, um, curious about your experience so far, David, with the team as you moved into that remote work setup on, on the current show on Genius. So we, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just what, what the unexpected safety mm-hmm. dimensions were, or you know, were there any kind of complications or considerations that came up that you didn't anticipate?
4: Um. I guess the number one thing I didn't anticipate from a safety standpoint is that I would be, uh, we would be building um, ADR mic kits and sending them to actors and enclosing, you know, you know, sanitizing them before we send them and then giving them the equipment to sanitize it again, you know, as they as they so desire. Um, And I didn't think I'd get to know my UPS uh, uh, delivery guy so much, but. you know, when we were moving out of our edit space and into, into our, our editors and assistant editors homes with the systems, um, it really required a, a conversation with each one of them individually. And frankly, it's the same conversation I, we have with actors about ADR. You know, what are, what are you comfortable with? And I guess it's two different things. When you're in your home, you're comfortable with all the space. You, you know, you're comfortable with um, where you are. So it's not that issue. It's more like, how can we make this edit work in, you know, different people have different setups at home, different space allowances at home. I mean, New York, that's a much bigger issue. You know, I lived in Los Angeles for 11 years. So I know the difference between what my apartment looked like in LA and what my apartment looked like in New York. And, um, and that's a challenge. So, you know, it, it wasn't an easy thing for the editors and assistant editors to figure out how to do that and how to do it you know, if 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 they're young children, you know, at home or or other considerations like that. So, it was really a case by case situation of talking through what would work for each person and and making it work. Um, so there's a lot of conversations like that, you know. Um, and I have the feeling we're going to be having those conversations for a long time. So, I I think you get used to them as you have them more, which is good. Um, and and you just have to be. A little creative, and I'll come back to it flexible and 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 you know just compassionate you know um, right. and and patient, right. and for the most part, people are
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, in post, I feel like we're generally pretty good at work, workarounds, right? <laughs> we come up with solutions and we, uh, we work through things. So it's interesting to hear people's experiences about that so far. Um, you know, we're eight weeks into this pause order here in New York State. And, uh, you know, as I said earlier, a lot of information is still coming in. And no one has all the answers, but at the same time, a lot can happen in eight weeks of post. As we all know. Um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about communication and the current dialogue about getting back to work and um, starting back with Kathy. um, From your vantage point, Kathy, what are the hot topics among MPEG membership and what are the conversations between the union and studios? Can you give us a sense of who's been talking to whom and what's come out of those discussions so far?
2: Yes. well, the, I, I think the primary thing is for, well, let me put it this way. Some of what David was saying, there, there are some people who have been transitioned to working at home and some of them like working at home. Some of them hate working at home. There are some people in between it, you know, it's like, it's harder, it's different. You got family concerns, space concerns, kids at home. Um, you know, they um, you know, we have concerns about box rentals and what those should look like if this continues longer. Um, and there's an awful lot of people we represent who really can't work at home. So uh, we have to take all of those into consideration. And I think the primary first thing is you know, safe, safety. I mean, it's all about how, how are we gonna be, how are we gonna be assured that we'll be safe when we get back to a work site, if we're going back to a work site right away. Mm-hmm. And which of our members um, can go back to a work site and which of our members might be able to stay at home a little bit longer and transition more slowly and gradually and you know, ultimately, uh, potentially end up back in a work site. I don't, you know, I don't know how long this is going to go on for, right? We're all like guessing all this stuff. That's been a a primary focus of um, the discussion though. And, you know, I think, I think an awful lot of uh, the attention, as I said earlier, is on trying to get production back up and running. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the the conversations I'm having with studio people is all kind of when you go to the studio level, it's all about that. When are we going to set production? How are we going to get production? Da, da, da. Because obviously we need the production to happen in order for post-production to take place. Um, so it's been just a tremendous amount of focus on that and then they mostly it's kind of like well and then we've got the picture editors who we think might be easier to transition Back to a safe work environment, certainly than a, a set with 150 people norm under normal circumstances. Um, but again, we also represent a lot of other people. So I, I have to keep going back. I have to keep constantly be reminding everybody we've got, you know, un, not in New York and I don't want to get too much into the LA stuff but you know the studios. Um, we have department post production departments on the studio lots where people work 24 hour shifts. Probably a lot of what Kimberly was saying, people are using the same equipment. People are touching the same equipment. You know, they're concerned about you and you know, a picture editor in in an editing room with 10 people coming in to look at the cut. And you're like, you can't distance six feet. And who are those, which of those people would be essential? Do you really need to have them all in there? Do you not need to have them in there? Who gets to decide that? Um, You know, all those sorts of things. And it's really been, that's been the biggest, I think, uh, certainly in the last eh, probably week and a half or so, the biggest primary focus that our members have. We're about to send a survey out to the members about some of the safety concerns that they have. Okay. You know, and that's huge piece of it. I, I think once, and once there's, you know, we're still under stay at home orders in California and New York. So we don't even know, you know, how soon that might lift. And I know the challenges in New York um, I think it was Kimberly who said it too. Um, getting to the work site, you know, that's a huge concern for our New York people. It's like they're not as worried. And I think David said they're not as or some one of you said I apologize. They're not as worried about get, being at the work site as they are and getting to the work site, which is different in LA because people get in their cars, drive to the work right. site, and now they're worried about the work site. So I'm trying to balance sort of both all of those concerns. Um, but that's that's the biggest piece of it. And then you know the when's it going to happen? How soon are we going to get back? And that's all a guess, or
1: right. Great, thank you. Yeah, and it's a good point that it's you know as we are hand in hand with production, it does seem like sometimes that's dominating some of those conversations. You know, to get things started, to get us you know get the footage that we need to get to to kick it into gear again. Kim, curious about what your take is on how the guidebook is changing about when and for what services people will actually physically be coming into the facility and on a related note what an onboarding conversation or a start of show conversation is going to look like with a production that's beginning beginning a show in this new normal. Okay, Um, since we haven't
3: started reopening I'm really not sure how quickly people are going to want to return Um, It's such a mixed bag right now. You know, we have several projects that are on pause waiting to return to editorial. We have others who um, are continuing with picture and sound remotely, and then they're waiting just to come in for final reviews. And then we Mm -hmm. have, you know, others just plowing forward and delivering like ESPN, like not a problem, keep going, we'll get it on air. and i'm going to assume that clients will be limiting the staff um, on their end who will be coming in um so i think it's going to be kind of essentials only for a long time and for us that's great it's like the colorists can come in the building go to the room then leave the building and not have tons of people you know walking around so in the long run i think you know some people may bypass editorial in-house um for a while we have a lot of avids that are you know, in people's apartments right now, I know it's not ideal and I'm sure they're kind of screaming, they have kids climbing all over them and electrical issues and you know, you don't have a tech there and the collaborative nature of our industry is changing now. And it's like, how do you do that? you um, are not in person. Um, I think a lot of people, we, you know, like I said, we'll come in for the final review and then, um, and that'll kind of be that. They won't be sitting in full sessions, I'm assuming. Um, and um, also another factor that we have is that a lot of our clients are in California. So I don't know how soon they're going to be able to jump on a plane and come back here. So that also puts a little bit of a spin to it as well. And um, I think ultimately, you know, the longer this goes on, it's going to normalize it and we're going to create new Mm -hmm. habits. And obviously sound stages and theaters are a necessity, but there is portions that can be done off site. And um, I think that it'll just time will kind of tell the comfort level of people Um, For onboarding, there will be a lot of rules um, in the future. And I never thought I would have like plexiglass up and don't stand there and don't get close to that person and you can't have a snack anymore. And it's just, it's kind of a wild environment to have to wrangle. Um, I did a survey as well with our company and um, the biggest fears besides for the commute, the other one was others not observing rules. Like I feel good about there's rules set up and I'll follow them, but when if somebody else isn't doing it? And I think if you have walked around at all in New York, that is probably a very valuable, or like a, you know, it's a concern I, I understand because I see people, they walk up and stand right next to me and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, and I'm like kind of shuffling over. And I think just right now you forget until you see a mask on someone's face. Um, but it, you know, that's gonna be the hardest thing I think for, for the facilities is just basically policing all these new rules and regulations when we move forward hopefully people will come to the table and and do it, you know, themselves, but I I don't really know. And I don't know how many will just be coming in for quite some time.
1: Right. So some of those enforcement questions may evolve in real time and some of them may be shifting. Yeah. Got it. Got it. David, interested to hear your perspective on the ways that communication and the creative work of POST have shifted with remote work, like what's been a challenge and what's working well in terms of communication and getting the work done under these under these circumstances, but also getting it done to your usual high standards. And um, what measures would you be happy to continue doing remotely and what parts of the work would you prefer to return to doing in person?
4: Uh, it's so funny. I, I feel like, uh, Claire, I, I assume you'll uh, relate to this. I don't know that we always get to choose as post producers what way mm, we w- want to work, but if you're going to give <laughs> me that, um, I'm giving you the choice right now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let me start with uh, how's it working out? So, um, you know, one thing that's been a key component of it is editors and AEs have, on this show, have done such an amazing job of of getting, of of being caretakers and taking on a greater technical responsibility. As Kim said, there's very little tech support or very little tech support can do in these situations. And they've done such a great job. And, you know, with content security, we have pretty stringent content security. So we, you know, we do a lot of work through Evercast and we have to run it off separate computers. So we're air gapped Mm -hmm. on the Avid system. So there's a lot of us, I'm sorry if I'm getting way too technical, but, there's a lot of Aspera fastpexes that go back and forth, and I'm just I'm amazed at how they can keep all the projects and media straight. It's 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 an astounding feat um, working this way. Um, I certainly would like to not continue that, and I know you know many facilities are developing better ways or different slash better ways to for shared work shared shared projects on Avid to work. There's a couple different ways to do it that relate to the cloud. Um, that that we've we've been test we've i feel like we've tested everything i feel like half my i should have answered this in the first question i feel like half my job has become like technical research and development person testing out every possible thing because i feel like it's my job to do it to make sure that the show and the team has the best tools to possibly work with the show runner and and directors on the show have really adapted uh, other eps have adapted really well i mean we've always done some amount of remote editing for years. I mean, directors have done their director's cuts over it started, you know, over like over Skype, and then it's kind of developed over the years into lots of different technologies that different networks and studios prefer using. And, and so I think we've been building up to it. And now, you know, I immediately knew, well, we're gonna have a bunch of Evercast rooms now. And 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 um and and it's worked pretty well. And I think to be, I think a lot of showrunners, especially ones that want to spend time on set, and if set's not in the same city as Post, are going to want to continue to use these tools. And now they, you know, have had to rely on them. So now I think they're more likely to want to use them, which then mm-hmm. that does create a disconnect. You know, if you have showrunner connecting with editor and editor would have been in an editing room, but now they're working with the people who are the creative decision makers in a virtual place, then it does start to reduce the need for, you know, the that that room that the facility is, is providing and to edit or wherever you find to edit in New York. <laughs> um, and, um, and so I do wonder what, my guess is some of this is gonna be lasting and which parts of it's a bit of a crapshoot, um, but, yeah, and I and I know it'll it'll depend on showrunner preference and the crew that they're hiring, and to what extent they you know will be attuned to what that crew member wants to do. It 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 could get really interesting, <laughs> um, and but I think hopefully at the end of the day it's all going to service the shows be, and the movies because you know hopefully these are happier creative people and and they're able to connect and communicate in these ways. I do miss not seeing a big monitor. We, we send a lot of files that are higher res to each other that are, that are mm-hmm. of course, watermarked and secured, but so we can actually see things so that, you know, it's just not enough to see it in a laptop screen, you know? So right. that's the other right. hurdle that I feel like we have to work on.
1: Right, right, just some of that technology. And yeah, can I, I have think it's- <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think you said, I think you deflected some skillfully as 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 a uh... This is a producer's job in some ways. Um, But you did allude to something that I wanted to kind of pick up on and and maybe loop Kathy into this conversation, which is just the way that um, assistant editors and to some degree editors' um, roles have changed a bit or their responsibilities have changed. And, um, you know, you mentioned the technical support and the kind of troubleshooting aspects of that. Are there other areas where you have seen um, editors and assistants' responsibilities changing um, in the scope their scope or their responsibility set changing due to remote work?
2: Well, um, I think it's emphasized some of the changes that were already occurring. I mean we've we spent a great deal of time about the inability in a cutting room for editors to mentor assistant editors. There's no time to do it. Everybody's crazy all the time. Not like the good old days where you could actually spend time reviewing a cut with them and you know give feedback and let them try editing something and you know the job Mm -hmm. of the sort of in New York editing room assistant or apprentice editor in LA can just kind of vanish and and, you know, we were actually in discussions with the studios uh, to try and reinvent that wheelhouse, the apprentice sort of way to move somebody in and up through the ranks when all this happens. So, um, you know, I I think the um, disassociation of uh, the the non-collaboration has just gotten a little bit worse by the working at home. Mm -hmm. And I don't know they try to feel like a team still and try to do it and they're zooming with each other occasionally. But I think the dis, the physical distancing is creating, um, some concern, um, about how, how they'll, when they, I think that's one piece that's missing a lot in the work from home environments. Um, and I think that need, you know, we're, we're social beings, right? We like, we kind of like to be together a lot of the time, even though, you know, to different levels for different people. But, um, I think, The dependency on each other is something that people love in this industry, and the collaboration and the need to connect. And I think we're going to have to go back. I think we're just going to have to go back to a lot of that because it's just our nature to to do all of that, you know. Um, So it's change. You know, it's it's going to change. Depends on how long this lasts, again, right? If we if we can get back in there quickly and back to work. I think that some of what's happened will sort of be more quickly forgotten and we'll move more of it back mm-hmm. to the normal trend. And if it goes on longer and longer, um, as somebody said earlier, I think people are gonna get more invested in the way we're doing it. And then how, how are we gonna go backwards? Uh, you know, Maybe it's going backwards isn't great. Maybe we need to go forwards in a, in a new way. Um, but some, certainly something we're gonna think about and continue to try to uh, you know, wrap our heads around and make sure that we ha- are engaged in those conversations Um, Mm because i think we all need
1: to be you know yeah yeah i agree and it's it's an interesting challenge because i think you know and david mentioned this is there are some showrunners i've worked with who Ooh, in, in the past who would have loved to have had more Evercast going on and to have a sense of like, all right, I'll, you know, I'm going to go to the cottage in Maine. I'll see you guys in a couple months, you know, that <laughs> right. that sort of thing. And, sure. you know, but at the same time, that was with the editorial team all being as a cohesive unit and in one place. Yes. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, is there other work that we'll need to do to ensure that creative cohesion, I think is an interesting Mm -hmm. question. David, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that at this point, or if you feel like it's too Mm -hmm. early to weigh in
4: on that. Um, I I think what Kathy said is so spot on. How long is this going to last? And this is Mm -hmm. one of those unknowable things that we knew going to this panel and we're like, yeah, but, but, um, okay. So I think, gosh, um, it it seems hard to imagine us being able to go back to the way things were before there's a vaccine, right? So that means we're probably doing this for a year more. I hope there's a way to get production restarted in a meaningful way. So does that mean we're at least a year like this? Uh, You know, and and who knows what we're getting from production. Um, But I would... Man, my hope, you know, one of the things I have been planning for on my current show is that, and this might be a little pie in the sky, but I don't, I I will hold on to pie in the sky until somebody, until it's obvious it's not possible, but
1: I've
3: been
4: working toward trying to still do a mixed review before we deliver these episodes together, because that seems like if we can shoot, we should be able to be in a mixed room together. That's my rationale. You can, uh-huh. anyone yeah. is welcome to dispute it, but it, it, <laughs> all of our rationale is worth exactly the same, probably right about now. But, um, but um, well, so it t- that's t- it taps into somehow, can, uh, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say it taps into some of what Kim was saying in terms of those elements of the equation of like, how many people are in the room, how much movement within that space, how many other people and, are nearby, and, right? And so,
4: yeah, so if we wanna be specific about it, so let's say New York City Uh, qualifies under phase two, like a mixed stage is under phase two professional, let's say. And let's say, now the the guidance is unclear to me. How many people in a phase two can get together in the same room if they're masked and six feet apart? You know, these are the questions I don't think we know the answer to yet. If somebody does, I'd happy to know. Um, um, But you know, if we have to go remote with mixing, we go remote with mixing but this is my little way of trying to preserve one last piece, which happens to be the last piece on a TV show where everybody's gathered together to say, here's our episode, here's what it looks like, here's what it sounds like, are we ready to go? You know, is mm-hmm. this? Is, are we all mm-hmm. proud of this? Are we all happy with this? And so that's my one little way of trying to preserve something. But yeah, it seems like in terms of going back into edit rooms, even I can't, I imagine that the, the plan Kim is working on it it probably resembles remote work just in the same building. You know, you Mm. you can't really Mm -hmm. go into each other's space. So you're all going to a building, you file into your separate rooms and you get on the internet together. So if that's the case, I guess it solves the space problem for people or the, the, um, you know, my children and my dog and my cat and all of that problem they're never problems they're the reason we live but anyway they're great but but you get what i mean so, so who's gonna so who's gonna choose that and what in my case what studio would pay for that And most of the ones sadly i work with probably wouldn't um to be frank
1: no it's 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 a it's a challenge i think it's you know and and i think it it's to, some of what you're speaking to is that sense of like what are what's our milestone right when do we come together and sort of say all right we're we're signing off and the ship is sailing. Here's this episode. Um, and I think that ties into the other question I had potentially for you and also for Kim, which is just in this, um, in this new world where you might not walk into the door until you're in finishing, if even then, um, how will facilities be distinguishing themselves in this new world? What are the ways that we're gonna have a feel for um, what we're going to a certain facility for?
3: So, you know, I had a colleague tell me this week. Um, she said that we're no longer post facilities, that we are gonna now be post facilitators. And um, I think that was really spot on. You know, we're continuing to create new and better workflows for home. Our CapEx budget has been reallocated for people at home. Um, to Dave's point earlier, you know, we're looking at all kinds of collaborative um software framework. Oh, Evercast, we're using all kinds of different combinations of it um, based on what the project needs are. And you know. There's bandwidth issues in people's apartments. I get it's not the fastest um, way to do work, and um, and it's definitely a lot slower. But you know we're def- we're moving forward. Um, we're going to continue to develop internal software solutions to bridge the gaps. We have several in the works, um, which are now taking a hot priority. And um, I think ultimately we have to adapt. We have to change based on everyone's needs. There's no choice. So we are gonna continue to put a lot of effort into figuring out how to make this as um, quick and seamless as possible until until we get back into the facilities um, with everyone, if that, if that happens sooner or later.
4: Right. You're also facilitating for the talented people that are, are your employees. So, you know, you're still getting, just because it's still about who is your colorist, who is your sound editor, who, who are your mixers? It's still, it's still about the team, how you're connecting with them has changed. Um, so, so I guess you're selling the connection and your team that you're helping to assemble and facilitate work for. Um, how that, how that changes in the new world, I don't know, but, but that's still at least how I view it. I don't know if that's accurate.
1: I think that makes a lot of sense in terms of the talent and the skill set is what you're looking for, not just a room and a set of, you know, a certain Christie projector or a certain capacity, right?
4: Yeah, and it's the interface and the bandwidth, the connectivity and all that. Yeah, right,
1: right. Yeah, very cool. Um, Chris, is it time for our Q&A segment now?
0: Yes, it is. Thank you, Claire. (laughs) Excellent. Our first question is... What measures do you recommend for upholding all post team members' confidentiality, especially while it may, might be necessary to take specific measures to accommodate specific individuals' health needs?
3: Currently, for staff, this um, we're still trying to figure out how this works for clients, but um, if someone is sick, then we have a third party through our disability um, company and they would basically, Negotiate with them like when they can't like make sure they're going to doctors talking to the doctor of when they can and can't return to work. And all we know is this person does not feel well. And then we get um, A notification from this third party of like they will be coming to work on X day. And other than that, I will never know if you did or didn't have anything. It's completely private. Okay. Um, I yeah. do not know exactly how that's going to work on the client side, to be honest, we're still mm-hmm. trying to figure that out.
2: Yes, yeah. I, I think this is going to be one of the really big challenges. Um, and, and we've talked about this on this industry safety committee that I mentioned. Um, you know, there's HIPAA laws, first of all, right, mm-hmm. if somebody gets sick on a production, you have to notify the whole crew that somebody might have been exposed to it. and. You know, suddenly one per one you're not identifying them, but one day they're not there. Everybody's gonna know who it is and how right. they're gonna treat that. And then what if the person comes back and no one wants to work in there near them even though they've been cleared? I mean, that's a big, huge challenge, I think, and, and certainly in the community in, in the production end where you have tons and tons of people, but but it's also true in the smaller groups of editorial re-recording stages, all that stuff. I think this that's gonna be a huge challenge for employers. Um, yeah, big. I think
1: yeah, definitely. So kind of an on, an ongoing discussion. Great, thank you.
2: Like everything, I guess. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I mean, I <laughs> it's think it's
1: it's it's also like it's a we're in the proving ground in this moment in some ways, and I think it's also about understanding these are these are the hot topics, and it's also interesting to see the questions that are coming in that are mirroring the conversations that you're already having, both Kim in terms of like employees and then also in terms of um production crew so definitely. Chris should we take another one?
0: Yeah what um what notes if any have have people been getting about the the new shape of production the kind of the post-COVID shape of production in New York? Do we think there will be more docs or will those be easier to do or more VFX heavy things because that can be done remotely? or the use of uh, things like virtual sets?
3: I don't particularly know, um, haven't had a firsthand conversation about this, mm-hmm. but I do know that um, Andrew Bly, we were talking the other day and he said they're getting a lot of phone calls for like virtual sets and, and um, so, it, you know, the VFX team's are already getting these phone calls. Mm-hmm. So I can see that being huge in the future.
2: We've had a sort of the same conversations. Those, those of our members who are visual effects editors are like, is it gonna be more work for visual effects editors if they keep shooting um, remotely like this? But, it, but in the animation world, I'll tell you, I mean, in Los Angeles, all of our members who work in animation and who work as animators for the Animation Guild, they've all, they're all still working. They all transitioned to home features and mm-hmm. television, everybody. And that was a lot more seamless. Um, then although some of the same considerations, whether they want to keep working at home or not, and what that looks like for them, but um, they're still working now, which is great, because a lot of other people are not, you right. know.
1: Right.
2: So maybe it will pick up in, maybe it will pick up in the New York area, some of the animation.
1: Yeah, and I know that SIMT had a session just today about virtual, you know, VFX, in-camera VFX and, and virtual sets. Um, some VFX folks I talked to are like, you know, this is not the be all end all. This does not solve every problem. And, uh, you know, so it's, I think it's going to be always about finding that happy medium of like, how do we, you know, how do we utilize these tools? How do we adapt? You know, what can we do with that?
4: It, it seems like an obvious statement that VFX is going to play a bigger role. But I, the thing I've been saying to my product, the production folks on this show is get us into these conversations sooner when, when it does seem like we're ramping up because Uh, You know, it's going to be so, you know, to state the obvious, it's going to be tricky trying to figure out how to uh, create certain things um, on screen right now. And and I think it's really hard. I feel like I wish we could answer these questions better But these are the questions that no one can answer right now. I mean um,
1: I wanted to call this session the foggy crystal ball. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah I mean but but I'll tell you the reason you know Claire and i we talked about it i mean the reason I, I thought the best reason to do this panel was that hopefully it would provoke more thoughts from the whole community because I think it's going to take everybody you know one of the things kathy kathy said at the outset is it's a it's a slow process to to um you know figure out what the what the procedures will be how what are the safety guidelines going to be um and 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 they're likely to change so quickly as we learn more about this virus. So I think it's going to be a real test how much of a community are we? How much of a community can mm. we be? Because the the I mean it sounds kind of corny, but the the way to beat this is is through our collective strength. So you know, I I hope that something out of this uh conference with the, you know, two or 300 people on, I hope that that it it sparks more thoughts and more creativity because we certainly need to be channeling mm. it in that direction, for all of our benefit.
1: Yeah, uh, look at that! You were hesitant to unmute, and then you went and did the big vision piece for us. Like that was that was amazing. <laughs> it's a test of the community. That's great, Chris. Do we have another?
0: Yeah, I feel bad mm-hmm. asking such difficult questions, but <laughs> <laughs> um, with we'll the likelihood- sure. With, with the likelihood of more posts being done remotely will some of the more junior positions be deemed unnecessary, like uh, second AEs, apprentice editors, or post PAs?
1: I think we touched on this a little bit in the conversation. Kathy, do you want to say a little bit more about what's happening in terms of the ERA role and those kind of positions being staffed?
2: Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll say, is it
1: possible that
2: some people are going to look at those positions as not being as necessary? probably um i think that we as a community need to make sure we advocate that those positions absolutely are necessary i mean where are you going to get the next editors from if we don't have assistant editors who are involved in this process and you know so we i i think i don't think we should let it go there i mean the last thing i mean last thing i think i guess that we want the union wants is for this to all transition in a way that all of a sudden there's a lot fewer jobs you know available for fewer people um so I think we need to be advocates of not having those jobs diminish
1: right. as a community. Yeah. Fighting for those roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: And I'd like to jump in and say, I don't think we have any evidence um, in either direction about this. My, my gut feeling is that in a weird way, on the editorial side, I think it's more likely to take more people than less. I know that might be weird to say, but the, the, so far, and, you know, we know, you know, I realized that this is kind of bleeding edge at this point in terms of, tra- like, like I said, we're building the track, you know, as the train's moving. Mm-hmm. And so we're not, obviously, we're not the most efficient process ever designed to finish TV shows at the moment. But, but what I've observed seems to tell me that remote processes are not more efficient so the only way you can sort of catch up and i don't know what the equation will be the only way to sort of sort of keep up with the pace that you want to make is to have a few more people not less mm-hmm. and and you know what those jobs are i can't say i mean i'm probably shouldn't be saying what i'm saying right now but i <laughs> but i feel like you know this is all part of a growing conversation so i don't know why we should necessarily assume it's less people um, on the post side. I, I've read the production documents, I've talked to production people, so I understand they're, they have a different issue at the moment than what we have. But it, it, if you want to try and do the same amount of work in the same time remotely, you need more people. That I can say.
1: Mm-hmm. Copy that. And I think it, it goes hand in hand with some of the other challenges that we've mentioned, which is, you know, how do people learn and grow those skills if we're not all in the same room, getting that sort of learning by osmosis, that anecdotal stuff that comes up when you're all sitting there watching somebody do that job or overhearing somebody have a conversation about something. So, I think that's going to keep coming up as, as we go. Um, Chris, do you have another one for us?
0: Yes. Um, the question itself is, would post be part of phase two once New York City reaches those benchmarks. But uh, Kim, I know you've been working on responding to the governor's uh, kind of 4 phased re- approach to reopening. Can you discuss that a little bit?
3: Sure. Um, so yeah, we are trying to get into the phase two category right now. And part of that is that we have to submit kind of a baseline of what all the facilities um, in our community are gonna, the precautions we're gonna take. And so that will get submitted And then, um, and then hopefully they'll recognize that we are, you know, we can open up the facilities in a safe way because right now we're being categorized, um, phase four. Is that right, Chris? Yes. And which basically puts us in with arena football, you know. So it's like, (laughs) oh yeah, we're oh that's not so great. But um, we feel like from the people we're talking to that we'll be able to hopefully get into this phase two, and um, and then we'll just have to see when the phases actually start happening. I think we're down two criteria right now out of the seven and it's all kinds of things like how many hospital beds are available, um, how many um, tests are available per certain capita and then once you hit the benchmarks of all seven then your area can open. So and then it's like the phases start and I don't know if they're every two weeks, if they're every three weeks, if it's one week. I don't think we have much information on that portion but, um, but yeah currently it's, it's trying to get us into phase two
1: arena football yeah it's like what (laughs) yeah yeah i'm thinking like who would i want on my post arena football team but that's a whole (laughs) other conversation
4: phase two would be strong because those are those involve crowds i mean those involve crowds of people right okay
3: correct yeah so it's it doesn't seem like we should be in that group and i
2: i think you know some of Some of the challenge remains, what I talked about earlier, we keep getting lumped into the production side of things. And I think that's where, you know, we got to separate ourselves out from that, even though we need production in order to have post. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. those considerations are so very different, even though they're similar in a lot of levels, they're also very different. Right.
1: Yeah, definitely. Chris, you want to give us another one?
0: Yeah, um security question and, and I would mm. love to hear this from the show side and facility side but how is content security um being dealt with when when working from home and and working remotely.
4: So the the drives were given to us by Disney, they were encrypted by Disney. Um you know all the and yes, we're air gaps, So so ostensibly all of the working material and media is not accessible via internet but obviously it's accessible on hard drives and you know it's up to each individual person you know another thing i guess i left out of remote work that's pretty obvious is it takes a lot of trust it takes a lot of trust on many levels it takes a lot of trust in terms of content security but it's also trust that you know you're on you're on an island and and you're expected to you know do the work that's been laid out for you and so you have to manage that to 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 a greater extent on your own so i think there's a trust that goes to the content security question but i also thought it applied more broadly and um you know i'm grateful that we had some time together you know we ate lunch together most days you know before we went on this journey you know i've spoken to some Producers who are, you know, working on shows that would be starting anew like this maybe, and that is a challenge. I, um, you know, with, with folks that maybe don't even know each other very well. So, it, you know, and this speaks also, I guess, to, to Kathy's, sorry for the jolt, Kathy's uh, comment about the sort of the social cohesion loss. So it's it's, I know it was a question about trust, and I'm rambling now, but I think it all kind of goes together in one thing. And so, yes, Disney sent us out a four page pamphlet of, of things to adhere to for content security um, and we do our best. But it, at the end of the day, it still is about trust.
3: Yeah, for security, um, we're keeping basically the, the media is on site and then using TeamViewer to get into it. So everything's still in the machine room. Um, and then, as Dave already said, you know, there's lots of air gaps, encrypted drives. And um, and we're getting you know spec sheets, obviously from from all the studios, and kind of how they want to proceed, and adhering mm-hmm. to all that. Right. Right. So.
1: Compliance. It's compliance. compliance. That's what we're doing right. the minute-to-minute compliance. <laughs> Great. All right, Chris. Do we have time for one more? Let's do. Yeah. Um, Make it a good one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think this would be. Um, more for uh, Kathy. What happens? I'm presuming. What happens to our healthcare when nobody has any banked hours or income? Um,
2: yeah, you know, I mean, we in, in all the talk of getting back to work and what's it going to look like and safety protocols and all that, you know, I, I I sometimes have to stop and remind ourselves there's an awful lot of people right now that are unemployed, who aren't being paid at all, who aren't working who are worried and scared, not just for their own financial livelihoods um, and their families, but yeah, health insurance. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the longer this goes on, the more and more people who will fall out of coverage potentially. Um, the MPI plans have been sort of incrementally making some, uh, crediting some number of hours so that people can stay on uh, longer than they would have. Um, And they're doing, it's a complicated system, I don't want to get, it'll take too long to explain it all, but you kind of, it kind of, it has like rotating months and a certain amount of hours you need during the qualifying periods. And so every month there's a new cutoff date. And so what what they did is look at the people whose cutoff dates were in April and credited some number of hours if you had hours. Now we're going to look at the cutoff date that's coming up in just another, I think, week and a half um, and look at that group of people. And then we 'll probably do it in June, but the longer this lasts, and the more people that have to have hours credited, the more money that costs, and then it potentially puts the health plan into a you know mm-hmm. situation where we have to spend an awful lot of our capital in the next negotiations, which will be early next year um, surrounding shoring up those those funds again, and so it yeah. it 's it's tough. I mean, I know there's some legislation uh, they're trying to pass that will give people um, extended COBRA, but you still have to pay for it, you know? And so it, it's, a pri- it's a big, huge thing that we're really, really, really concerned about. And we're doing everything we possibly can, but it's, it's, we're doing it in steps until we see how far, you know, to try to. I mean, the whole goal is to take people who are already active in the plans and not let them lose coverage as a result of this whole pandemic. Um, but it's there's a lot of variables to it.
4: I don't know if anyone listened to the Adam Schiff, um, Gabriel Kateras, um, Matt Loeb Town Hall, but I heard Adam Schiff talking about the uh, paycheck protection, which I heard him talking about, which made a lot of sense in terms of trying to um, maintain people's income and do it through the mechanism that feeds into, uh, you know, the healthcare hours. But I feel like, and, and and I'll be, I'm in a bubble, I'm in such a bubble, but I haven't heard that in the national discourse at all. And it made me wonder, is this part of, and I don't know if anybody knows the answer to this, but is this part of what's being, potentially being taken up by the Senate? I last heard that Mitch McConnell was planning to take it up after Memorial Day. I'll shut up
1: i i have not heard anything specific about that i was i i know what you're referring to david in terms of the the adam schiff mention of it kathy do you have any visibility on that
2: no only that you know
1: without getting into
2: a political conversation you know what um sort of what mitch
1: mcconnell
2: (laughs) with the congress and what senate wants to do are often two different things um so there's a lot of worker protections built into the legislation that's Going through uh, Congress right now, but you know we don 't expect that it will come out of the Senate in the same way um, and part of it included some language that uh, David was referencing um, right. that Adam Schiff was talking about um, mm-hmm. yeah it, it's it's it 's a challenge though you know i mean obviously that's you uh, you 're trying to I think the notion was keep people on payroll and and give incentives to the employers to keep them on payroll so that people can keep their health coverage. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there's not, it's just not enough money to go around for everybody that's going to need it. And there's not the political will of a lot of people to give it to the people who need it the most. And it's, uh, I I think that it's kind of that part of it's very kind of scary to think about really. And and again, it's all Mm in the length of time this goes on. And I don't want to end this in a, you know, down note, um, but <laughs> you know, just want us to be mindful. We want everybody to go yeah. back to work. We want them to be safe when they go back to work. We want it to happen right. fast and I hope it will, but man, there's some things we that are uh, problematic and will continue to get worse. I think the longer this goes on and we need to keep these kind of dialogues, I think are helpful because I right. certainly I appreciate being on this today because I've actually learned some things um, which is good.
1: I appreciate that's, it. Oh, that's great. I, well, I think, I mean, it's your point to, to try to wrap this on an upbeat note. It, it, it also is that we have some impact in this and that we are voters, everybody. Um, so, and I think, you know, Kim has been doing advocacy work in terms on the state level, in terms of the reopening. Um, let's keep in contact about this because obviously this is a conversation in evolution. This is the first of what I'm sure will be many different conversations about getting post- um, back up and running in New York and nationally for that matter. And, um, and we'll continue the conversations on the Slack channels as well. So, um, with that, I would like to thank my amazing panelists. Kimberly, David, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Post New York Alliance. Thank you, Education Committee. Um, thanks, Chris, for your um, NPR voice and presence. And um, yes, and so our next, I should say something about the next post break, right? Which is um, next Thursday at four o'clock. And, and I don't know what it's it's about, so I'm gonna leave it to, to Mr. NPR.
0: Yes, it will, yeah. <laughs> Next, next Thursday's post-break will be a roundtable with post-production supervisors and, and post-producers.
1: Excellent. Great. All right. Thanks, everybody. And we will keep the conversation going. Everybody take care. Be well. Be safe. Wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Be nice.